The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. I'm Brenna. I am one of the four interns here at the Inn. Um, like she said, I've been around for a while. I've been coming since my freshman year, so they couldn't get rid of me, and they offered me a job, and I was like, sure, I'll take it. <laughs> so here I am. Um, but yeah, I grew up in Bellevue, so not far from here. Um, went to Bellevue High School. A lot of my best friends from high school are in the back. Hi, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I'm from a family of four. My mom, my dad, and my younger sister, Michaela. Um, I think I have a picture. Yeah, they're there. Um, so some of you guys know Michaela. She goes to SPU. She's a junior. Um, so there's us at Malibu Family Camp. <laughs> so that was fun. <laughs> Went to Malibu as a family. Um, yeah, and then in keeping with kind of the intern tradition, I have also brought some fun baby pictures because that's what we do. So this is me at my first ever Husky game with my parents who also went to UW and met here. And so I was going to those games real young. Um, there's me in a kimono because I'm actually a fourth Japanese for those of you that don't know. So that's a fun fact. Um, but I look super white. So there's me in like a kimono just looking like, why is that child in a kimono? But it's, I mean, it's fun. Uh, I think I was trying to smile in that one, like cheese, I don't know, but it's a good effort, right? Um, and then there's me and Michaela. <laughs> she was like almost as tall as I was when she was born, so <laughs> like the same size. <laughs> We're just being sisters. Um, and then this is one of my best friends, Dana, and uh, she actually... So we've been kind of best friends since freshman year of college. Um, and she actually moved to California this year, but she's with us tonight. So hi, Dana. Um, but I'm going to be talking about her a bit later, so I just wanted to show a picture so that you guys all know who I'm talking about. Um, yeah, so that's me in a little bit of a nutshell. Um, some other just things to know about me. I majored in psychology, and anybody that knows me can definitely tell that I majored in psychology. <laughs> Um, it's all I talk about, and uh, I do this thing where I psychoanalyze myself, like, to a fault, and I psychoanalyze other people in my life to a fault, so if you've been the victim of that, I'm really, really sorry. I'm just apologizing right now on behalf of all the times that I've done that to any of you, um, but it's just kind of the way my brain works, I guess, and on that note, I also really enjoy people and spending time with people and relationships. Um, which is kind of why I love my job right now, because I'm being paid to do it, and it's just, like, so dumb <laughs> getting paid to do it. Um, but I've always kind of been like that. I've always really loved people, and I've always really enjoyed um, being with them. But I think when I was younger, it more started out as, like, a really high-key separation anxiety. Um, <laughs> I was the kid that, like, slept in my parents' room on the floor, didn't want to sleep in my own room, so I would sleep next to their bed on a little mat, and I would hold my dad's hand. <laughs> and if he tried to pull his hand away, I would grab it again, <laughs> even if I like well, he thought I was asleep. So apologies for that, Dad. Sorry, that's really inconvenient. Um, but I wouldn't even like go to Girl Scouts 
in elementary school because to me it was like, I'm already away from my mom for five hours in school and then you want me to be away from her for another hour to go to something else? Like, I was literally that attached to just like not wanting to be away from my mom. Um, and that was like my younger years and that slowly transitioned into just liking being with people and enjoying friends and not necessarily like only wanting to hang out with my mom. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I still, I still really, really hated alone time. Like, my life is kind of a series of people and hanging out with people. And for a while, I even just kind of planned my days around, okay, how can I avoid alone time so that there's not like an hour interval that I'm by myself? And some of you are like, that sounds like the worst. But like to me, the worst situation is like, you have the house to yourself. Here's a good book and a cup of tea. And I'm like, that sounds like the worst thing ever. Like I just really, really would rather be with people. Um, so I think I'm kind of an extreme case in that sense. But if you're, if you're somebody that sees relationships that way, or if you're somebody that really does value alone time, and um, maybe you have like fewer, fewer deep relationships that you like to maintain, I think regardless of the way you approach friendships and relationships and people, um, a lot of us can go about that and sort of miss something really big that God has for us in it. Um, so that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you guys about tonight was just um, the ways that we are called to encounter God in people and in our relationships and the way that um, our relationships with other people are really, really intimately related to our relationship with God um, and what he gave us when he gave us the gift of each other and how that kind of relates to the bigger picture of who God is in our lives and how he relates to us. Um, so before I get started tonight, would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? Dear Lord, thank you so much for just this moment and this opportunity to um, share a little bit about you and what you've done in my life. Um, thank you for everybody that's here tonight and the support that I feel from people that I love. Um, and thank you for everybody that's here and everybody that took the time to come in a week that's kind of busy. Um, and I just pray really that my words are yours tonight. Um, that you speak through me and say what you want to say, and that um, what is said will be truth. So thank you so much for being here with me tonight and here with all of us tonight. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, so for those of you that haven't been here the past weeks, we are going through the Christmas story, but through the lens of Mary. And so um, last week we jumped in where the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and tells her that she's pregnant and she's a virgin and it's the son of God. And she's like, this is shocking. And so <laughs> that whole part was last week. Um, and where we kind of jump into the story now is after she's been told this news, she goes to be with her cousin Elizabeth. Um, and so Elizabeth was actually in a similar situation. She's not pregnant with the son of God but she had a miraculous pregnancy. Um, she was barren her whole life, and she's a lot older than Mary. So the fact that she's pregnant is also a miracle and also really unexpected. Um, and so when the angel came to Mary and told her that she was pregnant, she had also told Mary that Elizabeth was pregnant. So in this passage, we see her going to be with Elizabeth, basically. And so we're going to look at what it looks like when these women come together. Um, so we pick up in Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. And it says, At that time, Mary got ready and hurried down to the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, 
and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Um, So kind of what we're seeing here is basically just um, this really crazy interaction where Mary and Elizabeth like really experience God in each other. Um, Mary decides to go there, and the minute she gets there, Elizabeth experiences the Holy Spirit just from the sound of her voice. And then Mary gets to be affirmed from what Elizabeth says because Elizabeth tells her that she's blessed. And Elizabeth tells her that what the angel had told her about her pregnancy is true and that she's carrying her Lord, like basically is what she's saying. So um, it's a really cool picture of what it would be like to experience God in one another. But I think it's also kind of hard for us to look at this and relate to it, um, partially because this was a long time ago and partially because most of us aren't pregnant with miracle babies. So um, (laughs) it's really hard to see, like, what would this look like in our relationships and how would it be like for us if we were to experience God in interactions with each other. Um, So I kind of want to bring it in on what does it like, what holds us back tangibly from experiencing God the way we're supposed to through others in our relationships these days. Um, And I think one really big one is that we look at relationships and we look at certain people and we expect things from them, but we leave God out of the picture. So um, sometimes I don't think we realize how much we expect from people or how much we need them or how much we seek direct fulfillment from certain relationships and certain people. And I do this all the time in friendships and romantic relationships. It's really easy to do. Um, And so this is kind of where I'm going to talk about my friend Dana, um, because this has definitely happened in that friendship quite a bit. She's laughing right now because she knows it's true. Um, But Dana is just one of those friends that is really easy to be with, and we do most things together when we live in the same city. So um, we've been friends for about five years, and uh, slowly over time, the more time we spent together and the more um, just things we had in common and the way we would go to each other for things, um, it becomes really hard to not see yourself in relation to that person instead of seeing yourself in relation to God. That person kind of becomes this anchor point for how you should how you think you should live your life. And so in that, you're kind of being consumed into this um, false way of seeing yourself, basically. You're seeing yourself in comparison to a person. Um, so naturally, when that happens, it's toxic to the relationship in some way. And for us, it just became really competitive. Um, we would silently compare a lot of parts of our friendship and a lot of parts of ourselves to each other and who was closer with certain friends and who was more involved or excelling more in various activities. We usually had crushes on the same guys. So <laughs> it was all over the map in terms of just comparison and competition. And um, in that, you can kind of see that my measure of security and worth was just linked to her. And the real bummer about that, actually, is that it just diminished my ability to see what a blessing Dana was to me. Because she's this person in my life that really understands me, and she's an awesome friend. And the fact that we have each other is incredible. But when you're, when you're trapped in that comparison and that competition, you don't get to see them as that gift and that blessing. You're just seeing what you aren't in comparison to them. Um, and then on the flip side, I think another thing that we do 
in relationships, or I guess in viewing how we seek God in relationships, is that we try to look at our relationship with God independent and leave other people out of the picture. And um, this kind of gets written off because we're always told, like, God is your ultimate fulfillment. Rely on God alone. Like, God is what you should be going to so that, like, you're not relying too much on other people. And that's true. Like, God should be your first first source of fulfillment. But I think sometimes we need to be careful not to confuse reliance on God with idolizing self-sufficiency because it's really, really easy to not let other people in. And letting people in emotionally is really hard. And the more that you're disappointed by people, the more you're afraid you're going to be disappointed by them again. And so when we close the door on people and don't open ourselves up to them, we also kind of discount ourselves from being able to have God work through them in our lives. Because um, he wants to relate to us through each other. That's, that's part of what he uses to communicate with us and to grow us and teach us. Um, so I think sometimes we're just not open to this because we're so focused on self-reliance and independence. Um, so how do we kind of reconcile these two extremes and how do we move forward from this place and really understanding what it means to um, just kind of see God working in our relationships and experience him through the people around us? Um, so there's three kind of points that I think are clear in the scripture that help us understand this. The first point is that God created us to be relational. Um, we see this just in the simple context of the story. Mary wanted to be with Elizabeth. That was the first thing she did when she found out this news. She was like, oh, this is crazy. This is also kind of like what Elizabeth's doing. We should probably be together right now. And so she goes there. It says she goes with haste. And so they get to be together in this moment and enjoy each other's presence and understand each other, and that's awesome. And I think, too, it's also notable to realize that this is included in the Christmas narrative. And it seems pretty insignificant in relation to, like, angels coming down and telling all this news and, like, Jesus being born in a manger and all these things. Like, it's an interaction between these two women, but it's included. And I think in that, God has something to say about not just caring about Mary's story and not just caring about Elizabeth's story, but caring about how their stories come together and how they relate to one another. Um, and I read a lot of psychology articles because I think they're interesting. And I read an article a couple weeks ago about um, our body's physical reaction to loneliness, and it was really interesting. Um, it was talking about how meaningful relationships impact our mental health. And the article talked about this therapist named Fromm Reichmann, who escaped Nazi Germany in the 1940s and came to work in the States. And she actually believed that loneliness is at the heart of all mental illness. Um, and so at the time, science didn't really support this claim necessarily. Um, they didn't have enough research, and I think they kind of wrote it off. But she had a lot of anecdotal proof because she would take on these patients that were supposedly incurable with like very severe cases of schizophrenia and depression. Um, and her motto was that no patient was too sick to be healed through trust and intimacy. So she basically just built relationships with these patients. Um, and she saw really miraculous results. Almost all of them were completely cured, and some of them even went on to wrote, write books about their experience. Um, and so now, as we kind of 
psychology has kind of moved towards more of a neurobiology focus and looking at the brain and structures and cells and things. Um, it's interesting because research actually has start to, started to back this claim now. Um, there's, a, there's a correlation between reported loneliness and mental and physical ailments. So it's almost like our biology and our brain chemistry is this clue into how we're supposed to be relational and we need intimacy and without it we break down. Um, so from there, I think it's important to recognize the second point, which is that we are created to be relational, but we're created to be relational with God first and foremost. And this is kind of what I was talking about before with the way that human relationships can let you down. Um, and it's not that we shouldn't need people at all, but it's just that that can't be what satisfies your deepest need for intimacy. Um, it's not sustainable for yourself, and it's also not a fair burden to place on anybody. And I think that Mary shows us this in a really interesting way in the text, because she doesn't go to Elizabeth expecting her to be God. She embarks on that journey to visit Elizabeth, already having proclaimed her faith in the Lord. When the angel came to her, she said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. So the first thing that Mary did was believe before she did anything else. And because of that, she carried the Holy Spirit with her to Elizabeth's house. Um, and this might seem kind of self-explanatory, but I think belief is really, really hard. It's harder than we make it out to be. I want you guys to ask yourself, and there's no need to show hands, but just ask yourself, how many people in this room believe that the Holy Spirit is with you right now, that God's presence is with you right now? Do you believe this, or is it just a really, really comforting idea? I think we throw around a lot of this stuff, like, God's always with you, and he never forsakes you, and you'll never be alone. But we don't always really believe it. And I think I realized this last year. Because kind of when life hits and really hard times come and you need God to be there, that's when you realize if it's something that you actually believe. Um, there was a time last year that I had just gone through a breakup. And in the wake of it, I was feeling really, really empty. Emptier than I ever expected to feel. Um, my anxiety was through the roof. I was so deeply lonely. Um, and I realized that I didn't really know if I believed if God was really with me. And I wasn't just unsure, but I was really terrified. Because it was my worst fear to be alone. That's something that I told you guys. Like, being alone, not surrounded by people is one thing, but being cosmically alone, that was what was terrifying to me. And because of that fear, I just told myself that everything I believed was just this comforting idea that I needed to hang on to. It was like I was clinging to it with all this fear. I couldn't even pray because I was so terrified of not getting an answer. And I think for at least a moment, this is how Mary felt too. But the angel told her, do not be afraid. And Mary's faith in that moment wasn't because she tried harder to believe or she convinced herself that it must be real. All it meant in that moment was her letting go of her fear. I remember really clearly the moment that I let go of fear. I was sitting in my car. This was during the time that I was really anxious and lonely last year. Um, I had just gotten out of a two-hour-long therapy session, 
And um, my therapist had told me that there's no point in running away from your fears because they'll always catch up with you. And the only option you could have in that moment is to turn towards them and face them. And so in that moment, I knew I had to confront this fear. Maybe God's not real. Maybe you're completely alone. So I sat in my car and I, I did that. I sat in it. I let it in. I tried really, really hard to genuinely believe that I was completely alone. That there's no purpose or pattern to anything that everything I believed was false. And at first I was kind of surprised by how okay I was. I didn't implode. I wasn't like, I didn't, I was still alive. You know, I was breathing, sitting there. (laughs) Um, But slowly the fear that had been so salient to me for so long just kind of subsided. And I was just sitting in this calm, kind of like a, a void of what had been fear. Um, And then I became really aware of something else. Um, Something I would describe as God's presence with me in the Holy Spirit. It wasn't this fearful hope that I was trying to comfort myself with, but it was more of just this really, really deep knowing within me. It was distinctly different than anything I had experienced before. It felt like the strange combination of logic and feeling and knowing and sensing that I can't really explain or put words to. Um, But I think that's the beautiful part because it's the spirit and it's mysterious and we can't always explain it with words. If I had to put a name to it, I would call it faith. But that awareness has shaped my relationship with God every day since then. And when I read the words, blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her, I remember that we're promised that we don't ever have to be afraid. And like Mary, all I needed to do to experience this real and true faith was let go of my fear. And so finally, as we move to a place of trying to understand how do we experience the Spirit and God in each other, we need to remember that it first has to be within ourselves. And then with that, we're sustained. We're filled up with that. And we are free to view others as a gift. So that's the third point. Others are a gift to us. Um, It was because Mary first believed that she was able to bring the Holy Spirit to Elizabeth in the first place. Um, So Mary and Elizabeth treated each other like a blessing. And I think that we can do this in our relationships too. Because when we believe that God is truly with us, and we're constantly aware of who he tells us we are, We begin to need others less and just enjoy others more. If I believe that I am created and purposeful and that God's wisdom is in me and I am eternally loved, and if I believe that those things are real, then I'm free to see others like that too, without comparison or jealousy, without the heavy weight of needing them to be God or needing to be God for them. You just get to enjoy what God's given you in that person. So as I began to recognize God's continual presence in me, I could look at a relationship like my friendship with Dana, and I could see it being transformed. Um, I just became completely overwhelmed by what a blessing she is to me. What a gift that God had given me someone who understands me so well and pushes me so much to stretch my mind all the time and know God more all the time. Um, 
I started to feel so proud of her for the ways she excels, even in the ways that I don't at all. Um, I saw her logical mind and her unapologetic sense of confidence, and I was just really honored to be her friend. And it was a process. It wasn't immediate at all. I had to take a while to release the feelings of comparison. I didn't understand right away what the fruit of the Spirit meant and how to access that and was supposed to have all this like love and peace and patience and kindness. And I was like, where is all this stuff that I'm supposed to have? But I think that what I know is that the more I believe that the Spirit was with me and the more I believe that the Spirit that was with me thought highly of me, the more that these feelings came naturally into play in all my relationships. And you guys, God has so much to teach us and show us and reveal to us through each other. He has given us each other so that we can rejoice in good moments together and sit with each other and mourn in sadness and walk with each other through questions and discuss things together and share with each other in moments of unbelief and not shame each other for anything. Um, to support each other, because we're all trying to do our best. We're all on the same journey. And he's given us to each other. And that's what community is. It's this really cool thing where each of us has this independent and really profound communion with the Spirit, and the person next to you does too, and everybody around you does, and you just get to share in that together. And it's God's gift, and I think it points back to a God that has a lot of grace for us. He's a good and loving God, and he wants us to experience the fullness of him. So this Christmas, as you think about what it means to celebrate God with us, remember that this is just as true today as it was when he came into the world as a baby. He's with us through the Spirit. And in knowing that, I think we're able to see his Spirit in others too. And our relationship with him takes on a shape that's a lot bigger and a lot more powerful than it was before. Will you guys bow your heads and pray with me? Dear Lord, thank you for being faithful, for being real, and for teaching us so much through your spirit. Um, I thank you for every single person in this room, and I pray that as we move into the holidays and um, go off to be with our families and face situations that might be hard, that you just give us strength and an awareness of your presence with us in those situations. Um, I pray that people's holiday is blessed with love and um, community with each other and laughter um, and just enjoying the people around them for the blessing that they are. So thank you so much for being who you are and thank you for blessing us. In your name we pray, amen.